2: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight ninety seven at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.
1: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio.
3: That's right, R.J. Bell here in the host chair, driving straight out of Vegas, live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Guys, we've been waiting, waiting, waiting. It's here. College football in full force, and we got the boy for it. We like to say the guy with all the college knowledge, Brad Powers, and and Steve Fezzik, who is a, I don't know, maybe the ninth best college football handicapper out there. I think Brad's one. Fezzo number one in the NFL. We'll talk a little NFL tonight, a little bit. Mostly, though, and maybe totally, it's going to be Recapping the little bit of college football action so far. What does it mean to you moving forward? And we're going to be previewing all the big games for Saturday, including Best Bets. Showtime! Woo! All right, Brad, let's get to it. Let's stay immediate. Friday night action. Give me the number one game that you had a takeaway from that we can put in our pockets and make
4: some money from later. I I think many would say it's a Michigan State game. Actually,
3: for me. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to
4: hear what many say. I want to hear what Brad Powers says. To me, it's about Stanford covering against San Diego State. Doesn't look like that significant 31 10 win for Stanford. They're about a two touchdown favorite. My biggest takeaway Bryce Love tonight, the Heisman favorite, one of the Heisman favorites in the country had 29 yards on 18 carries. If this was last year's Stanford team, RJ, this would have been a major problem for Stanford. I'd have been stunned that they would have been able to cover a two-touchdown spread and Bryce Love gets you know bottled down like that. But their quarterback tonight, Stanford's quarterback, K.J. Costello, threw for 300-plus yards, four touchdowns. That's something we haven't seen out of the Stanford offense the last couple of years. I am upgrading the Cardinal a couple points after that performance. Okay,
3: so Bryce Love was a player, a running back. You were high on last year. In fact, that was your number one Heisman pick, if I remember. It was, and it was early when you gave that out. What were the odds on Bryce Love? One hundred to one. Okay, and he ended up
4: second. If, if, it didn't pay. It paid zero. zero. Still. <laughs> if only, if
3: only there was a place, right? Win yes. place show. I think that's a good idea, actually, especially on the long shots. If you got paid, let's say a hundred to one, if he wins. Thirty to one if he gets second, ten to one if he gets third. Now that sounds like a fun bet. Now you can really play some long shots. But you obviously liked Bryce Love or were optimistic, and you were right. Let's start with, and I hear you. Stanford's not one dimensional anymore, and that's so that surprises
4: you. It, It does to a certain extent.
3: Now, now, a quarterback playing against the level of competition where they're a big favor. You got, I mean, one game, I mean, have you, have you seen enough to really think, okay, I feel good about this quarterback?
4: Well, keep in mind, I know it's San Diego State, but I would say one of the best defensive minds in college football the last two decades, Rocky Long, the head coach for San Diego State. I know it's at the group of five level, but San Diego State has had a defense that even last year held Stanford to 17 points. So, I it, look, it's a small sample size, just one game, but it's good enough for me to to feel like I can upgrade Stanford a couple of points.
3: And that's the paradox we handicappers in Vegas deal with every football season is imagine we're five or six games in and a team's undefeated or a team's winless. And we say, wow, that undefeated team's good. And someone said, oh no, it's just five or six games. You'd be like, well, that's half the games. But imagine in baseball, the worst team in baseball usually has a five-game winning streak at some point during a 162-game season. And the best team usually has a five-game losing streak. Just because it's five of 12 or whatever in, in college football, five of 12 games, and it's five of 162, doesn't really change that each game is a win or a loss, but we tend to way overreact. And I think even pros do this. I think pros here in Vegas do it less. They overreact less. Now, the flip side of that is, so... RJ, are you telling us don't even worry about the results? No, because right now 100% of the legitimate information we have about Stanford is based on this game. So in a weird way, you've got to keep two thoughts in your mind. Don't completely turn your back on what you thought about this team coming into the season because it's just one game, two games, three games as the season progresses. And what you thought coming in... If you're a good handicapper, it has a lot of legitimacy most of the time. But on the other hand, you got to glean what you can from that small amount of information, or otherwise you're ignoring some real evidence that's meaningful. Absolutely. So what I'm hearing is we feel better about Stanford's offense not being so one-dimensional. Now, the flip side of that is what's wrong with Bryce Love? I don't think anything's wrong. So wait one of the second the best running back right in football last year if you're second to Heisman and the winner wasn't a running back against a non uh, or a group of 5 yep defense and has horrible stats and we're just going to say oh
4: yeah makes sense <laughs> well, it doesn't make sense, but I'm not okay. Gonna... So explain why it happened. Well, I, for for starters, San Diego State, like I mentioned earlier, to me has one of the best group of five defenses in the country, and what San Diego State did. Yeah, but was...
3: but best group of five in the country doesn't stop the best running back like this. Agree. Did but... you did you watch a game?
4: Yeah, I mean, what they did early was put eight guys in the box and oh, okay. pretty much d- dared Stanford to throw the football.
3: Now here's the thing, though. Now that's interesting information, but doesn't that somewhat mitigate our optimism about the quarterback? If they set it up to say, hey, this running back could kill us, we, we're going to get in the box and make it almost impossible to run unless you get lucky, but now all of a sudden you got less defen- defensive backs, obviously, and at that point you can say, well, wasn't it easy pickings for this young quarterback?
4: You can make that case. I mean, it's like a team yeah. talk. it's like a,
2: yeah. uh, a seesaw, right? You got to kind of. Faz, what's your thoughts? You know, I had an observation at the end of the second quarter. The announcer said, "Oh, Bryce Love is in on third down. This is the first third down play that he's been in on," and I was shocked. I thought Bryce Love would play every play. Any thoughts about that, Brett?
4: Well, I will say if you're looking for Bryce, Love, I didn't have a Bryce Love Heisman ticket this year. And you kind of got a little bit of a, I would say, you know, a learning curve as far as what to, you know, predict for this upcoming season. If you listen to David Shaw at Pac 12 Media Days, said, hey, it's not about stats this year for Bryce Love, it's about getting him ready for the next level.
3: Yeah, but but that's a different conversation. If we're saying, is he going to have the best running back stats, Bryce Love, in college football? Yeah, that makes sense. Hey, not going to pad the stat. But not being in on third, maybe it's a situation where, hey, running backs run, you know, even at the college level, running backs get hurt. They, run da- they uh, get run down, I guess you could say, throughout the season. They had this game in hand. Initially, they put a lot of players in the box and made it tough on them. Once they got a big lead, why why let him get pounded
4: on? No, I think yeah, maybe you uncovered something there because what happened to Bryce Love at the end of last year banged up and was less than 100% for the last five, six games of the season. Maybe they're protecting him a little bit, gearing him up for the stretch run as far as Pac-12 play goes because, I mean, Stanford does have a huge game week two next week against Southern Cal. You know, the wise guys know David Shaw is ultra-conservative to start games. They love playing
2: Stanford first quarters and first halves under. Altogether possible, San Diego State was aware of that prevalence, stacked the box complete, box completely. That's why they could shut him down first quarter.
3: Yeah, and it's one of those things. I think any competitive team can stop. If you said, don't care about the run at all, stop the pass, or vice versa— any competitive defense can do that. It's just, can you stop both? And it seems like in this case, they were just hoping, and again, maybe it was good strategy. couple tip passes, couple interceptions, and all of a sudden it's a competitive game. Low variant, a, a great running back getting six yards a clip, it's hard to win that game. Yeah. Right? So if anything, if you're going to take a chance, like San Diego State did, it seems like take a chance on the young quarterback being able to be, let's say, admittingly, uh, easy coverage because you are stacking the box. I'm RJ Bell, pregame.com. This is straight out of Vegas coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Okay, Fez, all the games tonight. What's the game after this one that you think there's a takeaway? the audience can benefit from.
2: Really disappointed with Michigan State. They beat Utah State by 7, 38-31. They're a 23-point favorite. But with five minutes to play, RJ, Utah State had the lead, and there was a live wagering line on this game that was pick em. In other words, Michigan State could have lost tonight, and people are going to look at that final. So how
3: much time was was left when it was pick em?
2: Five minutes to play. So
3: five minutes to play. It was a coin flip if Michigan State would win the game based on the odds.
2: Exactly.
3: All right, so... Anyone can read the scoreboard. Anyone can say, oh, wait a minute. This team's favored by 23. (laughs) They are 50-50 to lose with five minutes. Sounds like a disappointment. Now, that's what typical talk radio does.
2: We go next level. Why? What happened? Two reasons. The defense grossly underperformed they gave up 340 yards and with the game on the line in the fourth quarter they surrendered a 75 yard 15 play drive to utah state so the defense let them down and the michigan state quarterback made egregious mistakes he had a horrendous fumble a horrendous pick six interception and they had a first and go on the one and they got a penalty so hold
3: on a second we could have saved time and you could have said they played badly
2: The quarterback made mistakes for Michigan State. So the quarterback played badly. That a a top-20 team quarterback should just never make.
3: Okay, so what you're saying is so badly, and that's the thing, and we got to get our football muscles flexed here. Stating the obvious, no interest. I want to hear about what is an obvious. So let's go over it. What's obvious is Michigan State underperformed, and you quantified it, Fez, very well. Coin flip to win the game, five minutes left. You are saying, and they played bad. Okay, we got that part. What did we see, Brad? Let's. Uh, what, what was your take of why? What's causing you concern moving forward?
4: Well, Michigan State's defense didn't adjust. Utah State moved to an up-tempo offense this year, and it did, didn't look like Michigan State was ready for it whatsoever. I get that, that you, that you didn't see that on tape, but there wasn't really any adjustments throughout the entire course of the game on Michigan State's defense. Couldn't handle the up-tempo offense Utah State was running.
3: So was this a classic Big Ten team playing – a up tempo team, and uh even though Michigan State outmans the opponent they they uh were able to score with him
4: yeah and a- and the
3: quarterback played poorly now how what year is the Michigan state quarterback in this
4: is his second year as a full time starter all right and how good was he last year uh, above average third or fourth team all big ten, so do we have any reason to think he's gotten worse? He looked worse tonight. That was the worst well, I know. That's yeah. the
3: question. Uh,
4: it, it looked like he was a very conservative quarterback. Uh, he wouldn't make mistakes that get you beat in a game. It looked like he was super confident and thought he all of a sudden turned into a quarterback that can single-handedly win you games, taking a lot of chances. I didn't see him taking chances like that last year.
3: When we come back, we're going to finish our recaps and get to the previews, including Michigan-Notre Dame straight out of Vegas. R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas in just a minute. Michigan, Notre Dame, boo, Michigan, boo. That horrible, overrated, (laughs) overrated. First, though, our daily weather report from the Strip right now, 88 degrees, clear skies, and the neon is humming. All right, Fez, Northwestern Purdue. Now, you are a Northwestern graduate. And listen, I don't want to, you know, be negative towards you, but you're a little prissy.
1: I am Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht.
3: Is that common for Northwestern grads thinking? Because let's be candid. You're hillbillies, right? Being up there in the Midwest. I mean, again, I, I grew up in the Midwest, but I admit it. I grew up around hillbillies, right? <laughs> no. Chicago Countryf-
2: oh, come Chicago's
3: on. totally different. How, how far out of Chicago is Northwestern?
2: It's on the north side, like uh, twelve miles.
3: Yeah, but who's there? A lot of kids from Manhattan, a lot
2: of kids from LA, a lot of kids that couldn't get into Harvard.
3: <laughs> yeah, so you, you you've got the 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 dorky kids that aren't even dorky enough to get into the Ivy Leagues, all being all prissy. But true, they got a true or false. True, and they got a chip on their <laughs> shoulder because they didn't get in. Exactly. All right. All that said, it was good you got in. All right So you follow this team closely, and you had. A real takeaway with Northwestern's game against Purdue. Yes,
2: yeah, so Northwestern won thirty-one twenty-seven in a pick'em game. Normally we'd upgrade a team with a nice road win. I actually slightly downgraded my cats. I thought this was much more about Purdue losing than Northwestern winning in particular first half. Three interceptions. Purdue quarterback played badly, did not take care of the ball. And basically, I thought Purdue gave away the game more than Northwestern won it. So minus three in turnovers and other mistakes. End of the game. Northwestern's out of gas. Purdue has stopped Northwestern. They're going to get the ball back with two and a half minutes left. I think they're going to win the game. And they just throw down the Northwestern ball carrier. 15 yards penalty. Game over.
3: And to me, this is what makes Vegas different. A team can win at at Pickham, and they get downgraded. Now, for Pregame.com, Brad Powers does our college football power ratings. Brad, are you downgrading Northwestern also?
4: Yeah, uh, about a half point. point. Nothing major, but obviously for a team that would usually get an upgrade after a road win, and not going to be the case. One thing I do want to mention, Purdue did make a change of quarterback at halftime. And they've had a two-quarterback system the last two years. i got to think if they're moving with this next quarterback forward, I think Purdue could be a play-on team, could be some value with the Boilermakers in the next couple weeks. Pro customers
3: at Lowe's save 5% on every purchase every day when you use your Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% on all purchases in-store or online. Subject to credit approval, U.S. only. Let's preview it, baby. Michigan Notre Dame, I think the most interesting part of this handicap is what the line was in June. So week one, unlike any other time of the football year, both college and pro, why? Because the lines are up for weeks and weeks, if not month or more. And this line was up in June, and it opened up. Notre Dame favored by seven. A touchdown yep. at home. And it was Michigan money, Michigan money, Michigan money.
2: Wow, a lot of action. lot of action. All
3: the way down to almost Pickham. Now, you have a ticket in your pocket, Michigan plus a lot of points. You were right there
4: betting it down. But what about now that it's around Pickham? I still like Michigan. I just can't get over RJ the matchup advantage that Michigan has with their defense, top five in the country against the Notre Dame now, offense. Now
3: let's talk about that. Top five in your projections,
4: top five based on last year. Top five in my projections. Top five last year even. Mm. I mean, keep in mind, Michigan's defense last year, RJ, returned one starter and still finished third in the country in total defense. This year's defense. So third in the country with five losses. <laughs> It was more about the quarterback <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. and that Michigan defense is taking on a Notre Dame offense without their top running back, top wide receiver, top two offensive linemen, not on Notre Dame's team last year. We're talking the top two offensive linemen, arguably in college football, both of them gone. I think a significant advantage in Michigan's favor.
3: Okay, so we're, odds makers are imperfect, and we talk about it all the time. It takes a ton of guts to put that world opener up. Think about it. You're the first person in the world to say, Hey, all you pros, all you guys with your algorithms, come on and bet me. That takes guts. Let's get, I, bookies are bad in my opinion, but give them credit where credit's due. That way, when they're wrong, we can really kill them. Right. We got to give them credit where credit is due. But man, they're usually not off this much. So when I see a touchdown line move, Almost, I'm thinking. What has changed? Is there inf- was there a big injury? Was there some information, or is this just the oddsmakers were way off to start with? I think they were
4: not valuing Michigan's upgraded quarterback enough, Shea Patterson.
3: And when did Shea Patterson officially join Michigan?
4: Uh, he officially joined sometime in May. So. Okay, the line didn't come out till June. Yep. So the oddsmakers just didn't know how good Shea
3: Patterson is, I've... or or are you a little too excited? Because you've been talking Shay Patterson for a while. I don't know if somehow you have 10% of his future <laughs> earnings. You know, it sounds a lot, I'll be candid, Brad Powers. It sounds a lot like Colin with Sam Darnold. Now, we can critique. I wouldn't
4: go quite there, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You're saying similar vein, though. Wow. So speaking of Colin, Brad Powers made his second ever appearance on Colin Cowherd's podcast. I was there to help a little bit. But Brad was the star, previewed a bunch of college football. We talked a little NFL, too. That'll be out on The Herd on Twitter, at The Herd. And Brad Powers will be tweeting that out. I'm thinking you're getting up at 530 to tweet that baby out. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) That's at Brad Powers 7, at Brad Powers 7. Now, you lean Michigan here, right? Like Michigan. You like him. Like, take off the rubber band. Yep. And it's plus one right now. Yep. Which means you think the line should be two and a half? Like Michigan should be a two and a half point favor? And that's where Michigan was. I'm asking a question. Is that what you think? Yes. Okay. So you're saying the lines maker was nine and a half points off. He said Notre Dame minus seven. And you're saying, oh, no, no, no. Plus two and a half for Notre Dame. Minus two and a half for Michigan.
2: Fez, how often
3: are they that wrong?
2: It's rare. But it does happen when they put up an opener early on in June and like Brad mentioned, not having the right information on a quarterback upgrade.
3: Or maybe you guys don't have the right information. I, I now listen, we had some sound, what, about a month ago, maybe more? Right here on straight out of Vegas from Clay Travis's show. And was that uh, that Salee fellow? Yeah, Barrett Salee. And he was talking about how Mississippi's just happy this guy's gone. That they got a quarterback and they're so much happier with this guy. How good can he be?
4: <laughs> Look, if he'd have stayed at Mississippi, they'd have been happy he stayed there. I think they're more ticked off because Shea Patterson went after the school old Ole Miss. I, I think that sounds more like a girlfriend that got dumped.
3: Okay, interesting, interesting.
0: Women, weaken can lay.
3: I mean, it could be that. <laughs> what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more? On car insurance, it means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, so I'm worried about Harbaugh. Well, I'm not because I don't like him. But if I were betting Michigan, here's what I'm worried about. Harbaugh is intense, intense, intense. He had a ton of success at the 49ers. When do you see a coach have that much success and get run out of town? in the NFL.
0: It's rare,
3: rare. And I get GM personality conflicts, but why? And as a Steelers fan, I mean, this Harbaugh family just haunts me. Ohio State Steelers, think about it. And they're good coaches, no doubt. but They wear you down. And you might say, yeah, but college is good because you cycle through these kids in four years. But here's another side of that intensity. I think two coaches historically have had similar problems in high-pressure games. I think Bill Cowher, Steelers, and I think Bill Snyder, Kansas State. Now, as a Steelers fan, I followed Cowher very closely. Very rarely did his teams let down, meaning four-point favorites on the road, maybe a flat spot for the Steelers, no problem, they're going to play hard. But if you're screaming every screen pass in August... What happens, it probably means you don't come out flat for certain games where you might, but it also means when the pressure really steps up, now it might be too much because it's the normal pressure of a big, big game, and now it's Harbaugh screaming, and he's getting nervous. Or Bill Snyder, and if you look at the ATS record against the spread for Kansas State in bowl games, not good. Bill Cowher won the one Super Bowl, give him credit, Steelers, you know how many championship AFC championship games that team lost, like multiple times, favored by over a touchdown, how at home? How often do you see that, including that Patriots first Super Bowl? So, how different is the narrative if Michigan loses tomorrow versus if they win? Oh man, this feels like one of the biggest for at least for narrative fork in the road games you're gonna see. And I just wonder, hardball in college, it doesn't seem like he's played or his teams have played well when the pressure's been on.
4: Well, I mean, they played well when he was at Stanford because he I mean, had, we're
3: talking like 15 years ago now? No,
4: we're only talking seven or eight years ago. What,
3: what, what do you mean? How many years has he been at Michigan? He's been at—this will be his fourth year at Michigan. Okay, four. And how many years was he at San Francisco? He was Three or four. Three or four? You got So the eight ma- years ago. Ah, uh, You got what? the math right. He wasn't at Mi- San Francisco three years. Four years. <laughs> it's been a while. Let's agree to that. Okay. And and, and how how did they do— they. They Stanford had an amazing upset against. In fact, the uh, it was the biggest upset of all time until UNLV lost last year and and as a huge upset. But when you're a 14 point underdog in big games, it's a little easier to not feel a ton of pressure, wouldn't you say?
4: Yeah, I, I would say winning the Orange Bowl at Stanford uh, right around a pick on spot by four touchdowns, that's as big a win as Stanford's had in 40, 50 years. Yeah, and,
3: and maybe, and and we can, go, I mean, listen, if you got to go back to uh, nine <laughs> years ago to find a, a key win under pressure, I think maybe you're making my point. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we're going to be breaking down Washington in SEC country playing against Auburn, But first, let's go to Ralph Irvin with the latest.
0: Well, since you guys want the stats, the last year at Stanford was 2010 when they did win that Orange Bowl. Although I guess you could say winning the NFC title game would be a big coaching win as well. On to the college football today because Stanford was back in action. Costello to throw, steps up, launches downfield. Arcego Whiteside, touchdown Cardinal! 38-yard strike from Costello to J.J. Arcega. Whiteside, and just like that, Stanford has six. Stanford expected to run a lot this year. Well, K.J. Costello threw for 332 yards, four scores. They beat San Diego State 31-10. to Number 11, Michigan State struggling with Utah State, but the Spartans do pull out the 38-31 win. Number 4 Wisconsin, no problem with Western Kentucky. They roll 34-3. Alex Hornibrook, 257 yards in the air with two touchdowns. On the Diamonds, it's all gone final, and it's going to be interesting in the National League West. The Dodgers, 3-2 winners over Arizona. The Diamondbacks lead the division now by just a single game. Colorado, a game and a half back. That after they were shut out in San Diego, 7-0. Houston shut out by the Angels 3-0, while Oakland a 7-5 win over Seattle. The A's a game and a half back in the American League West. Other news from Major League Baseball. Well, that would be Josh Donaldson being dealt from Toronto to Cleveland for a player to be named later. He's been battling shoulder and calf injuries all season long. Gentlemen?
3: Ralph, I want to thank you for, with your wisecrack, giving us a teaching moment. Now listen up, audience. Don't make the mistake Ralph did. A lot of people think when wise guys say, oh, Harbaugh, not good in big games. They're thinking he's never going to win a big game. No, 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 no. Think about loaded dice. Loaded dice don't come up 7 and 11 every time. They just come up 7 or 11 a little bit more than they would if it's random. So pointing out an exception, oh, look, there's that very fit guy with 8% body fat, but he's eating a hamburger. Huh. He must somehow be able to eat hamburgers all the th- No. It's he usually doesn't eat hamburgers, but occasionally he does. It's the exception that proves the rule. Thank you, Ralph, for that. We do appreciate
0: it. No no worries. And, and just, you know, <laughs> just giving the numbers. <laughs> that's all I'm giving. He was the baddest cat around until I showed up.
3: Okay. <laughs> Washington. Auburn. In SEC country, let's start with home field. It's not where Auburn typically plays, but it is where they typically play.
4: <laughs> yeah, how about three straight games in this same stadium with the home of the Atlanta Falcons? First two performances didn't go so well for Auburn. Lose the failing to cover the spread by three touchdowns apiece. But you got to give Auburn, if you're doing a power rating on a game, you got to start off with giving Auburn about two points of home field advantage, which is about as much as I give. If it's
3: not true. If home. it's
4: a neutral, yes.
3: Okay, so the rationale, and it makes sense of why there'd be some home field, SEC country, crowd, but the being familiar with the venue, sight lines, locker room, what hotel you stay at, all the things that make like the London, we talk about this Fez in the NFL, the Jags. In fact, this feels very analogous, right? Jags have some more fans in London than their opponents typically. They know about, in this case, it's the sleep cycle of the trip and everything, and Jags do better in London.
2: The the Jags actually have a bigger home field advantage, I feel, because of these other factors in London than they do in Jacksonville.
3: Yeah, in this case, it's a material point-and-a-half, two-point home field for Auburn. Line is two, right? Yep. So that's saying these are even
4: teams. Who do you lean or like? Well, uh, I think Washington's the slightly better team, the more experienced team coming back. Washington's the the better balanced team. Not a lot of weaknesses on on Washington. Four-year starting quarterback, four-year starting running back. They're experienced on both the offense and defensive lines. Arguably the best secondary in the country along with Michigan. On the flip side, Auburn's got some injuries at wide receiver. They got a great quarterback in Jarrett Stidham, but also very inexperienced offensive line. And on top of that, I got the much better coach at Washington, and Chris Peterson, Gus Malzahn, I think is one of the most overrated coaches in the country. That's why I lean with Washington here. And I, I
3: I think something, and we talked about it last week with Hawaii. When a team has challenging travel in their first game, it's not near as challenging. Think about bowl games. they got weeks and weeks to prepare. When did you ever hear, oh, this West Coast team has to go back east for a bowl game? Never. Now, if it starts somehow at noon and the body clock's an issue, yeah, right? But this game starts when? 3.30. Okay, so not a big problem there. And I also think it's important. Now, Fez poo-pooed this because he's a cynic. Or maybe because he went to Northwestern <laughs> that he thinks, oh, someone who goes to Washington, does not they don't care about their academics. But they're on the quarter system, Washington. School hasn't even started yet. So you got a team. Go ahead, Fez. No, continue. you, you got some crack about the, the kids that go to Washington? None. Good. It, <laughs> I mean, he does. He's just not saying it. They don't have school yet. First game. you got, I think, in game one, when it's competitive, coaching means more than any other game except bowl games because they have so much time to get ready. Nick Saban will be talking about excellent in these spots in in week one. Great coach. Urban Meyer, excellent. Not applicable here. Yep. And we'll talk about that game a little bit too. But I think you got the better coach, and the travel doesn't mean near as much as it would if it wor- weren't week one. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. All right, last factors on the game. Anything else worth talking about? No. Fez, you got a leaner like on this one?
2: I'm neutral. I'm just although it doesn't mean as much the travel, you brought up great points why. I still think it's significant that it's their first trip um, and three years, second trip in three years to go past the Rocky Mountains. Why? You go three time zones. It just, even if you're there for three or four days, RJ, it has an impact. It's not zero. I don't
3: know. When you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you think those kids have jet lag? Might be half a point. All right. But you agree it's less than it typically would be.
2: Absolutely. It's a great point.
3: I mean, because imagine you play even a tough road game, come back home, a couple days later you're back on the road yep. and you're flying three time zones. Very different situation.
4: Absolutely.
3: Okay, we're going to talk about, let's start with that Ohio State game. But first, we're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Now, some reports here in Vegas about big money being bet on Ohio State. You might think, wait a minute. The Buckeyes Urban Meyer not coaching, that's a big negative. Maybe the smart money's on the underdog. I agree with this favorite. Now listen, usually for me with a big favorite, it's dog or pass, but I'm tempted to look at the Buckeyes here, and the reason is I think it's a statement game. And let me ask you guys a question. If Ohio State was getting paid a million dollars for every point of margin they had over Oregon State, so if they win by 40, they get 40 million, what's your over-under for how many points they'd win by in this game, Brad? 55. Fez? 63. Okay. The line is what? 39.5. So they can choose to cover this. Absolutely. Usually, though, when you're handicapping a big, big favorite in college football, you're not handicapping how good the teams are. You're handicapping what is the motivation for the favorite to get such margin. Do they have a reason to? What's that coach's propensity in these spots? That's a key. Here, I think, the Buckeyes want to make a statement. Because if somehow they only win by 22, only, quote-unquote, there's going to be, oh, look, trouble and— but if they win sixty to three, how different is the narrative? I think it's a statement game for the Buckeyes, motivated big favorite.
4: Thoughts? Uh, I, I agree, and I know it's not usually about how good you know the two teams are when you got the big favorite. When you're talking motivation, but let me put in perspective how bad Oregon State is this year. Season win total for Oregon State is two. They're the only team in the country with that low of a season win total, and Oregon State, not Kansas, in my power rankings is the worst team in the Power Five this year.
3: When we come back, we're going to finish up with the bigger games and two best bets, not one, two best bets straight out of Vegas.
1: Straight out
3: of Vegas! R.J. Bell straight out of Vegas, finishing up the hour, best bets down the home stretch. One from Fezzik, one from Brad Powers. Remember, Brad featured with Colin Cowherd tomorrow on Cowherd's podcast. I'll be tweeting that out also at RJ and Vegas. I was there, but Brad was the star. Best bets in two minutes. Let's talk Bama. I don't think you can bet this game. I don't think you can. Because if you can't answer this question, it's irresponsible to bet. I think you like this game, right, Brad? I do.
4: I so like you Louisville. Better, you
3: better have an answer. Well. Oh. You don't even know the question. Remember Roddy Piper? He used to say, every time you think you got the answer, I changed the question. Okay. Piper's pit. <laughs> True. Who's going to be quarterback in this Bama team if they're up by 21 in the fourth, eight minutes left in the game?
4: Well, Nick Saban came with an answer. So I don't, I, I, I'm, oh, we do have an answer. Well, We do have an answer. Both quarterbacks are going to play on Saturday. Okay. Now... Oh,
3: dog. So historically, we've bet against Bama, the wise guys here in Vegas, when they've been big favorites, because typically Saban gets up enough, secures the game, and takes the error out of the ball. He'd rather practice against his own number twos than play some of these bad teams. But last year, it was an exception. Why? Because he had two quarterbacks that were competing for a job. And he wanted the young... Yep. quarterback to get his reps. Now, if we know that both quarterbacks are playing, doesn't that mean you can't have the guy who started last year for a vast majority of the season come in and only hand the ball off? Doesn't it mean that Bama is going to be running their true offense even in the
4: fourth? Well, I'll make a slight joke about it. I would prefer Jalen Hurts if I have a Louisville ticket to be throwing the football because that's not what he does best.
3: Yeah, but you would prefer – I agree with you if it was a situation where he was thrown from behind or something. But if there's two choices, one, the third stringer comes in and hands the ball off, or number two, Bama runs
4: their true diversified offense, then what has the line done since this announcement? It's Louisville's taking the, the late money. Uh, The line continues to drop. Now it's Alabama 24.
3: So you're saying this announcement, doesn't at all stop you from liking Louisville?
4: Yeah, I'm going to downgrade my like to a lean. That's smart. Yes. That is smart. Let's do best bets.
2: First up, Steve Fazick. Stop on the big dog. Florida Atlantic catching 21 big points against Oklahoma. I got to tell you, RJ, if you bet this one, I think you better bet it. Tonight, I think this line's going to come down. You can never be sure. From a pure power rating perspective, I met with the analytic geeks. They make it 19 on this game, so that's without any other type of discussions in terms of situations and motivations, and it's a bad spot for Oklahoma. They have UCLA on deck. They have, Then they're at Iowa State. So there's reasons for Oklahoma to stay more vanilla than they normally would, like Florida Atlantic catching the 21.
3: Now when you say – so 21's readily available. Yes. When you say vanilla, that means do you have any trick plays? You're going to use this running back perhaps as a wide receiver, out of motion. All the things schematically – that a great coach, and he's a young coach, but Lincoln Riley is a great coach. I think most agree. Why show it if you don't need to show it? So I agree with you. Early in the year is often the times you look at the bigger dogs, but what makes me agree even more is on the herd. We had Joel Klatt, and one of our features here on Straight Out of Vegas is we have undercover best bets. What's an undercover best bet? It means a guy like a Joel Klatt, who's a media expert, gives you an opinion without really explicitly saying it's a best bet. He hinted he liked the underdog in this game. He couldn't say it because I think he's calling the game or he's working the game. In one second, Brad Powers is coming up with his best bet. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes,
4: you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Brad Powers, best bet. We're going to go with Coastal Carolina plus 29, game number 199. Here's what I like about Coastal Carolina. Similar to Fez's best bet, uh, you got a South Carolina team, that's who Coastal Carolina's playing, that has arguably their biggest home game in three or four years on deck against Georgia. So I expect a conservative game plan from South Carolina. A South Carolina team that the last two years on offense has only averaged 22.5 22 and a half points per game. How in the heck can you lay 29 when your offense can't even get there over the last couple of seasons? Big reason why South Carolina's 0 3 in a big favorite role the last couple of years. And little insider information we're going to bring a Beyonce and Jay Z mention here on Straight Out of Vegas. There was a concert at this stadium last week. Beyonce and Jay Z, they had to replace the field this week. So if it, you got a South Carolina team with a speed advantage, slipping and sliding. I think that's advantage, Coastal Carolina, plus 29.
3: I tell you this, if you wonder how the pros do it, it's plus 21. (laughs) It's plus 39. 29. 29. Listen, they're not playing the TV games, guys. They're not playing the easy (laughs) games. They're saying we want the bad teams getting a few too many points. That is exactly the way the pros do it. We'll be back tomorrow night, two hours, two hours tomorrow, starting 10